Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. This is the Broncos and Broncos podcast. I'm Kevin Gilligan. Thank you for listening. Obviously, a lot going on in the NFL, the divisional round, lots of drama, heartbreak, etc., etc. You know, not a whole lot of Broncos news going on, obviously. Everyone off on vacation, you know, everyone enjoying the sun on the beach. Uh, Oh, wait. No, actually, they just fired their rookie offensive coordinator, and hired a longtime OC, Pat Shermer. Whoa. Okay, so uh, who saw that coming? Um, Not me and not anyone. Now, there's a lot that we can get into, obviously, about this. There's a whole, I don't know, psychological aspect of this. And I want to, first of all, before anything, admit to being what seems to be, it looks like I was really, really wrong about something. And I want to, I want to fully admit that I was wrong. I claimed really the entire season that the lack of of aggressiveness, that the conservativeness of play calling, especially through that really rough stretch with Joe Flacco, was due mostly to Vic Fangio. And in the end, it is. The head coach takes the blame. That's just how it goes. But it appears that Vic Fangio was actually really upset that, that Rich Gangarello was too conservative. So I think it seems I was clearly wrong. Either that or Vic Fangio is just, you know, making lies, you know, pulling them out of a hat and making things up. Now, there were always rumors earlier this year about issues in the locker room, guys not getting along, blah, blah, blah. And I think maybe there was this lack of trust between Fangio and Scangarello. Scangarello seems to be able to to draw up plays very well. He can scheme well, but he's not a good play caller. And that's what I keep hearing from several people on Twitter as well. And that that seems to be the case, that 
he can draw up a great plan. This is why the first couple series may look really good. And then by the second half, he's totally, totally clueless. And it seems like he just wasn't ready for an offensive coordinator job. And in this case, you've got to blame Vic Fangio. you got to blame John Elway because they got a guy. They brought in an offensive coordinator as a rookie to try to run an offense for a defensive-minded head coach who's a rookie. So again, you see some some organizational issues, and, and it goes on and on. And, and Elway, to his credit, maybe, maybe to his credit, has now realized his mistake and is going to fix it quickly. I've heard rumors that part of Fangio's issue with Scangarello was that Fangio thought the Skang wasn't, he wasn't figuring things out soon enough. He wasn't fixing the mistakes, the problems that he was making. And if that's the case, he can go to John Elway and say, hey, look, man, I'm, I need some help on offense. You know, I'm a defensive coach. I, I like being a head coach, blah, blah, blah. I'll lead. But I need someone I can fully trust on offense because that's not my realm. I'll tell you the basic, you know, strategy I want, but I need an offensive coordinator I can trust. And this makes perfect sense. Now, what doesn't make sense is that they hired a rookie in the first place who had no experience. So you see these mistakes people will make. And I think part of it is this Sean McVay sickness, you know, that disease that everyone fell under when he went to the Super Bowl and was this wunderkind and genius, brilliant, blah, blah, blah. So everyone thought you could just go out and put your hand on on some young rookie kid who had some good play calling, or not even play calling, some good play designs, and he would turn into this, you know, absolute perfect wonder of an offensive coordinator. Now, we haven't seen that outside of Sean McVay, and it even looks like Sean McVay is not all that perfect. Even if Wade Phillips is getting the the, the blame for it in L.A., Sean McVay, I think, was absolutely overthrown by Bill Belichick in that Super Bowl. Now, anyway, I don't mind the decision. I think Pat Shermer makes a lot of sense. I've seen criticism. I've seen praise of his offense. Honestly, I think we're just going to have to see. Uh, he did good things with Nick Foles, with Case Keenum, even with David Jones this year in New York. He has done good things with quarterbacks that are not great. And so if you look at that, that gives me a lot of hope. He seems to be a quarterback whisperer. He spent 10 years with Andy Reid in Philadelphia. He's got tons and tons and tons of experience in play calling. And if you like the way he schemes or not, the guy has been there and done that. Now, he runs more of a wide-open scheme from what I've heard. We're going to have a lot of uh, three wide receiver sets, which means you know guys like Jake Butt, probably bye-bye. Um, Hoyerman, even, probably bye-bye. And the Broncos are almost, almost undoubtedly going to draft somebody high in the draft. Um, they're going to draft a wide receiver high to to fit that need. It probably, um, I think they're going to go wide receiver at number 15 if one of those guys falls, even maybe if it's, you know, someone like Lavishka Chenault from CU, though I will talk about a little later why I think he will not actually be drafted, but it'll be someone like that. I think a wide receiver very early on to help this offense out. Anyway, yeah, when it comes down to it, yeah, I don't like the original decision to go with Scangarello if you're just going to not trust him. You know, it's like, this is the problem. This is what happens when you don't put your full trust in people. But maybe, you know, it's kind of a mistake in the first place. So it's like, okay, we need continuity, but you don't want continuity if the coaches suck. And that's just the case. And so everyone's kind of complaining that, oh, you know, Drew Locke, oh, man, he doesn't have continuity now and and blah, blah. And, oh, oh, my gosh, what's he going to do? Yeah, the kids had, I think he's had every single year of his career in college and the NFL, he's had a new offensive coordinator. And, come on, he had five games with, you know, with Scangarello. Yeah, he spent an entire year learning the scheme, 
but I think most of that was, you know, just learning literally how to play quarterback in the NFL. So I think if you're going to do it, you do it now. You do it now. And it, that makes sense. You say, yep, Scangrel, he's not the guy. We need someone to come in who has experience, who has that QB whisperer mentality, who can come in and help our young kid and, you know, build a system around him. Now, now, don't let him go. I think the Broncos saw that he got fired as a head coach. They thought, wow, okay, yeah, no one's going to go after him as a head coach for a while now because he's failed multiple times. So maybe that gives us a chance to have him as a long-term offensive coordinator. I think that was almost more the impetus to firing Scangarello than even Scangarello not being that good. I think it's a little bit of both, but even a little bit more so because of Pat Shermer. And that means, you know, if you do this because of Pat Shermer, I don't care if his offense is bottom three next year. You've got to stick with him. Have to. Same with Fangio. Continuity must stick for this team for the next three years. It must. Now, after that, who knows? We'll see. Fangio is getting old anyway. But three years, you've got to give Drew Locke three years in one system. Give this team a chance to grow. Give them a chance to learn each other and to learn the schemes and to to not have to always go into a new year learning something new because it does matter. It does matter. Look at look at wide receivers who try to go and play New England. They can't. For one, because New England coaches don't share anything with their players. And two, because it's really hard to go learn a new scheme. Edelman's been there forever, so he knows it. And that's why he's their best wide receiver. They bring in other guys, and yeah, they're not that good. And that's just how it works everywhere. Some schemes are easier than others. Yes, of course. But now that they have their two guys, you got Shermer, Fangio. I'm cool with that. Seriously. I mean, I yeah, I, I, I praise Scangarello at points. But yeah, he he led one of the worst offenses in football. Now, it's not all on him. I mean, they had Joe Flacco as their quarterback for about half the season. So come on. What's he supposed to do with that? But yeah, you know, I don't, I don't feel that terrible that he's gone. The guy's going to land on his feet. So bring in a guy who is who's established, who Fangio can trust, and let him roll with that offense. I'm good with it, and I'm curious to see now how the Broncos build their offense. Again, I do think that they're going to really try to, to get that explosiveness, use that explosiveness more on offense. They've got guys who can do it. Fant and Lindsey, Sutton. Go out and get a, just an absolute speed demon as a wide receiver too, someone like Ruggs, that would be fantastic. And, and this offense could be really something special. And I think Pat Shermer could could lead a very, very solid scheme and a very solid group of guys. You got to go out and you got to add a couple linemen. Yes, you're probably going to cut Ron Leary. You need James to come back healthy. Reisner is hopefully going to not have a sophomore slump. McGovern's got to be resigned. You need a left tackle, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot to be done. But I actually see more optimism on this offense than on the defense. And we're going to talk about that defense coming up after this break. And I'm going to go one-on-one versus the skipper dude. Me versus the skipper dude. On why or why not the Denver Broncos should trade Von Miller this offseason. After this break. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. 
creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. All right, so since it's technically my show... I'm going to start off the argument, and I'm going to take the nicer side. I'm going to take the side of why you keep Von Miller, and I'm going to let the skipper dude try his best to tell me why we should trade him. So um, good luck to him. I have no doubt that he will do his research and do a good job of finding reasons because I know him to be very, very good at playing devil's advocate. That being said, here's why I think you keep Von Miller. First of all, Von Miller is the face of the franchise. He is. Yeah, Drew Locke has a chance. I think Drew Locke is already quickly getting fame, getting notoriety after this five games in 2019, partly because of his lip syncing on the sideline. Yeah, that sounds crazy, but it's true. Drew Locke going viral twice lip syncing rap songs on the sideline is going to absolutely boost him to stardom. It's a crazy world. That's how we live right now. It's social media viralness that is going to make him a star. Now, that could be quick, and he could honestly take this team over as the face next year. It's possible. It's possible. But I don't think that's actually what you want because you actually want your rookie guy to you know, have a little bit of that grace period to grow. You want him to have a chance to fail a little bit, to make mistakes a little bit, to say some dumb things in front of the media a little bit because that typically happens. A guy like Drew Locke, who seems to be a very smooth guy who speaks his how he thinks, I don't think he's a he's not a jackass like like Aaron Rodgers, but I think he just he's so chill, he's probably going to say something stupid or something. So in, in any word, I think you want him to be the face of this team in a few years. Not yet. Not yet. And the only other player on this team who's even close to being in the same conversation as the face of the franchise is the guy who already is, and that's Vaughn Miller. You listen to CBS Sports and they say, and the Sandy or the LA Chargers facing off against Vaughn Miller and the Denver Broncos, right? Now, yeah, maybe it'll be Drew Locke now, but I actually think you want it to be Vaughn Miller. The dude's won Super Bowls. The dude is an MVP of a Super Bowl. Took over a Super Bowl. He's got stats that go on for miles. He's proven to be one of the best edge rushers, one of the best defensive players for the past, how many years is it now? Eight years. That's the guy that you want to keep. You want him there. He is a respected face in the NFL. He's respected in the community. And I have zero doubt that he's respected in the locker room. Now, I have to admit, I have been harsh on Von Miller and his presence in the locker room and his leadership. I've been harsh on him because when it became his locker room, the locker room went to hell. And that's just the truth. Now, part of that was because, yeah, when it became his team, it became Vance Joseph's team, which 
yeah, that is not great if you're Von Miller. But I think that he has matured. I think you see that. I think you see him stepping up into that leadership platform. You see each offseason, especially how much he wants it and how much he knows he has to work to get it. And again, I think that's why my number one point is Vaughn is the face of the franchise and he should be for the next two years. My point number two is that this is already one of the youngest teams in the NFL. Who are, who are, you know, who are your other options at, at outside linebacker? There's some good guys, some potential there. Hollins, Malik Reed, obviously Bradley Chubb, but I don't even want, want to bring Bradley Chubb into this because Bradley Chubb is obviously going to be starting on the other side. So don't even bring in Bradley Chubb into the conversation. He's still on his rookie contract. He's playing on the other side. He's not even part of this. He's not. So you, gotta have, you have to compare it to Atochu, Hollins, and Reed. You mean to tell me that one of them is even close to licking the heel of Von Miller's shoe? No, they're not. Not even remotely. Von Miller is, is a future Hall of Famer. And Von Miller, and we're talking about this not like, hey, Von Miller's 38. We're not talking about him like, like we're talking about Tom Brady. He's still in his prime. The dude's 30. Yeah, he didn't have a great year. Part of it was because Chubb was hurt. Part of it was because, yeah, he didn't have a great year. That happens, even for Hall of Famers. They got down years. Anyway, this is one of the youngest teams in football. Where's the other talent around him, that, or, or not even around him, where's the other talent to come in and fill his spot? I don't see it. There's some good players. There's no one even remotely close to Von Miller. And you need that guy to lead that room, that offensive line room, or the, excuse me, the, the edge rushing room, the outside linebacker room. Now, maybe the vocal leader becomes Bradley Chubb because Chubb seems to be another guy who doesn't mind speaking his mind and is a bit nasty and dirty. Maybe that's what you want. But you need that elder statesman. You need that DeMarcus Ware. And I think Von Miller is slowly building himself into that guy. And if you take him away right now, if you take him away right now when he's figuring out his role, when he's figuring out how to lead, and he has an older veteran coach, to, you know, hey, maybe Vaughn can look at him as an example. Maybe you need to be a little out of reach to the players, but you need to be there for them. And he's getting to that point. Do you trade him now? When he's figuring it out, still in his prime, when there's no one behind him to take his spot? Jeremiah Atachu? Yeah, great. Awesome depth. I'm glad he played pretty well. Uh, he ain't Von Miller. No. Okay, point number three. Loyalty matters. Loyalty matters. Do you know who, who does Peyton Manning spend his offseason with? Not even the offseason. Who does he spend the season with? Does he spend it in Indianapolis? I haven't seen it. He spends it in Denver. Part of that is because Denver's pretty great. He won a Super Bowl here too. I think he's got good friends here. Part of it is because Indy screwed him over. He spent his most of his career in Indy. Blood, sweat, tears, pain. And then they said, oh, bye. We don't care. You're getting a little old. We're done. Loyalty doesn't matter. And Peyton Manning pretty much said, okay, great. I'll go win somewhere else. And then, 
you know, bleepity bleep you. Loyalty matters. Teams might think it doesn't. And you can't always stick with loyalty. You can't always say, well, we're going to keep this guy because we love him, even though he's not very good. And John Elway in general has been very good at, at getting rid of guys who are, who are past their prime. A couple of guys, maybe not. TJ Ward is a really good example that I think he had another year in him. And when they traded him, it destroyed the locker room. Destroyed it. The dude was a leader. He was a guy that that his teammates felt he deserved to be there. And when they traded him, the locker room went bonkers. And in that case, maybe slightly less talent than you might get somewhere else is worth being loyal, at least for one more year, when you still have that chance. If you go and trade Von Miller... What other team, or excuse me, what other player is going to sign with the Denver Broncos? Who's going to want to stay here? Who's going to want to come to Denver? Who's going to stay in Denver? Drew Locke? Philip Lindsay? Noah Fant? After their contracts, do you think they're going to want to stay in Denver when they know that Von Miller was traded for a couple draft picks and a couple million? You see this through franchises in the NFL. When you, when you can't trust your ownership, you can't trust your front office, you've got bad teams. And sometimes it means holding on to guys who are not great anymore. Because loyalty matters. If you're loyal to Von Miller now, first of all, he'll pay off because he's a good player, even a great player still. And secondly, because... Other guys will see it. Other guys see, hey, look, Denver Broncos stuck by their guy. They want him, too, to be a Bronco for life. Now, eventually, that doesn't mean Von Miller can always get $25 million a year after two more years of this contract. No, it doesn't. And there has to be a meeting in the middle somewhere. Von Miller has to obviously also appreciate that he can be loyal, too. It goes both ways. But that's where the best relationships come from, in life and in football. When there's mutual loyalty, that mutual love of, we want this to work, and we want it to work together. And Von Miller has done enough for this team that they absolutely, at least for two more years, should stick with him. Now, my fourth point, Von Miller is not that expensive. We all know positions go up every year in price. Someone is going to drive it up this year. I think right now, Khalil Mack's making the most of any edge rusher. He was signed for six years, 141000 Well, That is an amazing contract. But there are guys who are, who are coming off their deals. For some reason, I thought I had up the right spot track um, website, but it doesn't show me when their contracts end. Anyway... Somebody's going to come and get paid more. And then the next guy will be paid more. And then the next guy. And then the next guy. And eventually, in two years, Von Miller is going to be freaking cheap. $25 million a year in a few years is going to be practically nothing for a guy like Von Miller. Now, first of all, that does need to be for a top five, top ten edge rusher. I still believe Von Miller is a top ten edge rusher. Top Two or three, nah, he didn't show it this year. 
Not to me, he didn't. But he's good enough, 25 mil a year, no problem. And he's not that old. He's 30, guys. He's 30. He's as old as I am, and I'm not old. I'm sick enough these days, I kind of feel like it, but I'm not old. Von Miller's 30. He's, he's, he's in the prime of his life. Von Miller with a healthy chub and a better defensive tackle. Another year in that scheme. And I guarantee you he's going to go put up double-digit sacks again. And he could do it for another five or six years. Guys have done it. Terrell Suggs. Doing it right now. So in the end, the four points being Vaughn is the face of the franchise and should be for two more years at least. This team is already one of the youngest in football. They need leadership. There's no one on this roster that can fill his position and very few people in the league that can try even to be close to his production level. And you still have to pay them too. Loyalty matters. It matters to teams. It matters to players. It matters to fans. And finally, he's not that expensive. And he's not that old. There's no reason to trade him. The Broncos have 10 draft picks. They have five in the first three rounds. They're close. They have a young quarterback they don't have to spend money on. They have a young tight end. They have a young wide receiver. They have a young running back. They're not that far away. And this is exactly why you don't, don't, don't trade Von Miller. Now, Skipper Dude, what you got? Why should the Denver Broncos trade Von Miller in 2020? Holy cow. So, t- your tough assignments. My goodness. I need to build an argument for trading Von Miller. I mean, think about that. I feel like the father who needs to walk down stairs Christmas morning and explain to the kids why they all got cold for Christmas. In all seriousness, though, I do believe that there are a number of compelling reasons to consider trading Von Miller for the long-term good of the Broncos organization. But first, I need to ask all of you listeners a purely hypothetical question up front. Suppose I could offer you two views of the near-term future. In one view, we keep Von Miller, and over the next three years, this Bronco team tops out with an 11-5 record and a loss in the AFC Championship game. In the other view, we trade Von Miller and we win a Super Bowl. Now, which would you take? I, I would imagine it's the Super Bowl, right? Now, that's uh, not to say, of course, that trading Von Miller is the path to winning a Super Bowl. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the sentimentality of, oh, Von's one of the greatest Broncos ever and he needs to retire a Bronco is a very true sentiment and it has its place. But I think we all agree that winning today and tomorrow is a higher priority for most of us than playing to our sense of sentiment. So as John Elway fields phone calls from teams interested in trading for Vaughn, because you know they're probably rolling in, his focus really needs to be not on the sentimentality of the fan base, but rather on the overall health of the organization. I mean, if somebody out there goes crazy and offers you a Jalen Ramsey type of a haul, two first rounders and a second rounder, which is not going to happen, obviously, but if it did, then I think he's duty bound to take it because that kind of haul could set you up for five or six years of success. Okay, so that said, what are the reasons for trading Von Miller? The first
first reason I believe is developmental. We By keeping Von Miller, you're going to be stunting the development of and taking snaps away from guys like Justin Hollins, Malik Reed, and Jeremiah Atachu. Now, that might not seem like much of a problem, but how good would Shaq Barrett look in orange and blue right now? Von and Chubb blocked Shaq's development already in there, and the Broncos locks out on a fantastic player with Shaq Barrett. John Elway's superpower as a GM has been his ability to find edge-rushing talent. With the exception of Shane Ray, he struck gold over and over and over again. Von Miller, Demarcus Ware, Shaq Barrett, Bradley Chubb, and now Hollins, Reed, and Itachu. So let's take a step backward for a minute and look at the Broncos' position group by position group. On offense, they're set at quarterback, but they could probably upgrade from Brandon Allen perhaps as the backup. They're fairly solid on the offensive line, depending on what you think of Garrett Bowles. But they're painfully thin right now with only three starters, Bowles, Reiser, and James, and hopefully a fourth in McGovern if he resigns. They're loaded at tight end and solid but thin at wide receiver, probably in need of a more genuine wide receiver too. And they're pretty solid but also thin at running back. Now on defense, they're needing to overhaul the defensive line. They're thin at inside linebacker with Todd Davis not looking like a great scheme fit for this defense. They're fantastic at safety, assuming that they re-sign Justin Simmons, but they're thin if they don't re-sign Will Parks, which I suspect they won't. And they're thin at cornerback when they're going to build around two guys, Bryce Callahan and Devontae Bosby, who are coming off of IR. Where are they absolutely loaded on defense? Only one position group, and that's outside linebacker. So this gets me to my second reason to trade Von Miller, which is that if you look at the outside linebacker group without him, you still have Chubbs and Hollins as your starters and Reed and Itachu for depth. That is still a stacked group, possibly even the team's best position group at this point, even without Von Miller. Now, the counterpoint to that argument is that Hollins is really more of a hybrid type of linebacker. He's not a pure edge rusher, but he's also not a classic inside linebacker. He could have trouble setting the edge at the NFL level as a down lineman. So do you really want to put him in a position to be replacing the legendary Von Miller? It's a hard question and, and one that's made tougher because the Vic Fangio defense puts different demands on the outside linebacker than other defenses. Perhaps Justin Hollins is more of a classic Vangio outside linebacker than Miller, I can't really say one way or the other. But Hollins has an impressive skill set that includes size, speed, and good instincts, and seems to project out to somebody who could help solve the Broncos' perpetual issues with covering tight ends. I'm foreseeing Hollins being a guy who's due for a huge step forward in 2020, and you absolutely need to find a way to get him on the field. Assuming you keep Vaughn, I think you sort of force Hollins become more of that inside linebacker, blitz, stunt, tight end covering type hybrid linebacker so you can get Vaughn, Chubb, and Hollins on the field at the same time. It's a challenge I suspect this coaching staff will be up to, but not without its challenges. But the bottom line, I think, is that losing Vaughn at this point is not going to leave you anywhere near a hole in the on-field talent that losing a guy like Justin Simmons or Cortland Sutton or even Dalton Reisner would leave in case you have a solid core to fill that gap. Now, my third reason for trading Von Miller has to do with leadership. Oh, come on, Tipper dude. You're saying Von Miller is a bad leader? No, not at all. 
In fact, Vaughn is a very good leader, but there is a legitimate question as to whether he's the right leader for the Denver Broncos over the next couple of seasons. Now, let's go back a bit in history and walk this forward. Vaughn was drafted in 2011, and if you were around then and you remember, at that point, he was closer to being Josh Gordon than he was to the Vaughn we know today. He had two strikes against the NFL's drug policy, and we all held our breath hoping that he wasn't going to get a third strike and get kicked out of the league. But thanks to his own sense of professionalism and a big assist from his mentor, DeMarcus Ware, he turned things around in a big way, and by 2015, he had become the spiritual leader of the locker room. Now, leadership on a football team comes in several different forms. Your quarterback, of course, is your overall on-field leader and the guy the entire team kind of revolves around. But quarterbacks are typically not going to be your locker room leaders. They're often kind of aloof, quirky sorts of guys. Yeah, you'll have an occasional exception like Brett Favre or Peyton Manning, but that's not typical. Drew Locke, in fact, it definitely appears to be a quirky type of a guy that will draw people to him and perhaps even create a sort of cult following, but I just don't see him as a locker room type of leader. On the field, your leaders are your quarterback, typically followed by your playmaker, a play caller on defense, your Mike linebacker more often than not, followed by your center on the offensive line. Off the field, though, it's an entirely different story. Your natural leaders, and yes, it's partially a function of talent, they are a special breed. They're guys who have talent and charisma, but also a certain it factor that other players instinctively acknowledge. Vaughn was that player in 2015 and it won us a Super Bowl, so I don't have any complaints about Vaughn's leadership skills at all. And when things fell apart in the following three years in light of Elway's twin debacles, with Paxton Lynch and Vance Joseph, and you had guys like Akeem Tlaib and then later Emmanuel Sanders kind of freaking out over the losing, Vaughn remained a rock in the locker room. He was the unquestioned face of the franchise. He, The highest paid player on the team who was both on and off the field conducting himself as the highest paid player and the most respected player on the team. Truly one of the best players of his generation, both on and off the field. But my sense in 2019 was that things started to change. You had an almost entirely new coaching staff and tons of new players, tons of young players, tons of young talented players like Bradley Chubb and Cortland Sutton, who are not only extremely gifted athletically, but also men of high moral character and natural leadership ability. And the culture, I believe, started to change this season. And Vaughn, for all of his greatness and all that he has done to help navigate the ship through the storm of three straight losing seasons and four years without a playoff berth, started to become a remnant of that sorry Denver Broncos past. Not through any fault to his own, obviously, but just through the natural evolution of things. Of course, I'm not there in the Broncos locker room, obviously. I can only go by what I see in the media. But I sensed early in 2019 that Bradley Chubb was emerging as the new spiritual leader of this defense with some high energy, high moral character guys like Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons, perhaps even Alexander Johnson by next year, being the next ring outside the bullseye. It's creating an atmosphere of positive peer pressure that's going to pay huge benefits in the years to come. 
The offense has seen a similar transformation as Cortland Sutton starts to set the tone in the locker room and other guys like Philip Lindsay and Dalton Reisner become his supporting cast. Kind of quietly, the Broncos are shedding their past four years and very quickly building for their next contention window. So where does that leave Von Miller? In my mind, at least, that by next year, Vaughn's locker room persona is going to have to change, and he's going to need to defer much of his leadership to the younger group. Not because of his age so much, because he's only 30, but because he's a link to a different time in Broncos history. It was a glorious pass, but also a tragic and horrible pass by Denver Broncos standards. So by next year, if he stays, I believe he'll be a younger version of DeMarcus Ware, a 30-year-old elder statesman in the midst of one of the NFL's youngest rosters. So the question that Elway and the coaching staff will need to ask is whether that particular dynamic is a good thing. Do we want to hold on to a warrior like Von Miller who has seen this organization through thick and thin? Or are we ready to make a clean break from the past and move forward at this point and go all in with the kiddos? It's, it's a tough question. And honestly, I think it's one that can only be properly made by the Broncos front office. So argument number one in favor of trading Vaughn is potential stunted development for guys like Justin Hollins, Malik Reed, and Jeremiah Tachu. Argument number two is that the, the outside linebacking crew would still be stacked without him. And argument number three is more of a question about whether his leadership dynamic is still going to be a positive in the locker room. Argument number four is the very tangible opportunity cost of keeping him. Now, Vaughn is going to cost a, a massive $25 million dollars against the salary cap this year, but he'll have an 11 million dead cap hit if you trade him. So really you have to look at him as a $14 million a year outside linebacker. As values go, that's pretty extraordinarily good, even if Father Time takes another step from him next year and he drops from being simply he drops to being simply an above average edge rusher and is no longer elite. But if you were to trade Vaughn, you're going to get two things. One is $14 million saved against your salary cap, obviously. And the other is likely to be draft picks, the NFL version of hard currency. Now, I'm not an expert on trade values by any stretch, but as I look at Von Miller, I have to believe that he's going to net a better trade value than Emmanuel Sanders, who fetched a late third rounder this year as a rental for the 49ers. At the extreme other end, is Jalen Ramsey, who fetched two first-round picks and a second-rounder from the Rams this year. Ramsey, though, is a generational talent who is probably in a similar echelon to where Vaughn was in 2015 and, far more importantly, is still playing on his rookie contract. Vaughn Miller playing out a huge veteran contract and with declining skills is just not going to command anywhere close to that kind of a draft haul, so don't get your hopes up. As I ponder trading Von Miller, I just have a hard time seeing other teams parting with a first round pick and taking on his $17 million salary. But I'm also not feeling like a second rounder is quite enough. So I'm going to put Vaughn's trade value, just for the sake of argument here, as a late second round pick plus a fifth rounder. So, I mean, if you think of it as Vaughn Miller for Dalton Reisner and Justin Hollins, it sounds kind of appealing. If you look at it as Vaughn Miller for Demarcus Walker and Jake Butt, then not so much. Obviously, you're selling off a known quantity, one of the NFL's best, for a crapshoot in the draft. Although, realistically, that trade 
would give the Broncos 13 picks overall. I think you'd almost certainly see them flip some of those 13 picks to move up at some point, perhaps in the first round, to get one of the Alabama receivers, Judy or Ruggs. Regardless, you just don't know what you're going to get in terms of value from the draft. Okay, so to summarize the pro Fawn Miller arguments, basically you're opening up an opportunity for the three solid young players in Holland's Reed and Atachu. You're kind of spiritually moving on from the team's difficult past. You're saving $14 million in salary cap space, and you're adding to your already impressive draft capital. So the million dollar question is, if you're the skipper dude and you're getting to play John Elway for a day, do you trade Vaughn Miller? So guys, I want to assure you that I've probably given this whole thing a lot more thought than I want to admit to, and I've really truly look at every angle and my basic answer is no you don't trade him i like my arguments for trading him but i just don't think they outweigh kevin's arguments for keeping him however that said there is one scenario probably a hundred to one shot of actually happening that would cause me to change my mind the Chiefs right now are heading into salary cap hell this offseason. They head into the offseason with only $21 million in cap space, less about $9 million that they're going to need for their five, yes, count them, five draft picks in, in April, and really only one trimmable salary, Sammy Watkins, who they'll save $14 million by cutting, that will make any real difference for them. And the kicker is that stud defensive lineman Chris Jones, possibly the Chiefs' best defensive player, is just rolling off his rookie contract and not signed yet for 2020. Now, my guess is that the Chiefs will franchise tag Jones and basically kick the can for one more season on signing him long term, and they'll leave them basically broke from a salary cap perspective. But there is an outside chance that they could be forced to let Jones go. So, if the Chiefs were to let Chris Jones walk, and if John Elway could talk him into playing in Denver, and if Elway could also land linebacker Joe Skilbert from Cleveland, or perhaps one of the big free agent guards like Scherf or Thune, the number one, I'll be lining up for playoff tickets in 2020. But number two, you're probably not going to have any choice but to tra trade Vaughn away at that point. You'll need his $14 million in salary cap, and, and you'll also also need a rotational spot for Justin Hollins if you land Schobert. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't. I think it's probably a madness pipe dream on my part, but short of Elway hitting that kind of a seven home run, home run in free agency, I'm pretty convinced that the Broncos will keep Von Miller into the 2020 season and they'll be happy they did it. So Kevin, get, what are your thoughts on the direction Elway's going to go? Yeah, honestly, I don't see any reason why he would trade Miller. Elway has, again, he's he's let go of guys when he needs to, and he's done a good job of that. But I think that he knows this team needs some continuity. They need some leadership. They need some guys to stay around and to work with the youngsters. Miller's contract is okay. It's not that expensive. It's fairly team-friendly. There's a lot of reasons why you know you keep this guy around. And I could see Elway, you know, if he gets the perfect trade deal, yeah, okay. But I don't see any reason to think that Von Miller has fallen off enough to not think he's not a top five or ten edge rusher, and that's so valuable to a team. It's so hard to find that when you find a guy that, that that's that good and you have another one on the other side, 
that's how you win. That's how you win in the NFL. Look at the teams winning right now. You know, they, they win by stifling defenses in running games. The game has changed again. It's always changing. And it's back on its head in that running games right now are kind of what's doing it. Green Bay Packers aren't in the, the championship round because, or the, the conference championship because of Aaron Rodgers. They're there because of Aaron Jones. The Titans are there because of Derrick Henry. The 49ers are there because of their run game, not because of Jimmy Garoppolo. The only team that's an exception is the Chiefs. And that's because they've got the best quarterback in football right now. So things have changed. And the Broncos probably see that. And as I saw someone write, I forget who it was on Twitter, whoever wrote it, I apologize for for stealing this without giving you credit. They're saying that, you know, maybe the Broncos are trying their best to defeat Andy Reid in the future. So they went out and got one of his disciples on offense. Pat Shermer, and they brought in a defensive guru who's also had good success against Reed and some of the top offenses in football in the past in Vic Fangio. And so the point being, they see the guys you need to beat in the AFC are Andy Reed, Bill Belichick, and now they have a, a plan on how to fix it. And part of that plan, in my opinion, is definitely not trading Vaughn Miller, and I don't think Elway will. We'll see. I think it'll be really curious after 2021 because the Broncos have they have another team option next offseason as well. And I think it's really it'll be really fascinating to see what they do after that. I think they I think they keep him for two years. Really no question in my mind. I don't see any reason why not to. It's not that expensive. He's he's a really good player and a, a position of need. So you keep him on the team. After that, I'll be curious to see. I would love to keep him if he's still producing, but obviously he's gonna have to take a lighter contract. A lot will depend on what the Broncos do in the meantime, if they continue to to build the team and succeed. And if Drew Locke becomes a star, Von Miller may very likely want to come and stay in the city that he has lived in for the last eight years. If Drew Locke doesn't work out and the Broncos continue to suck, well, then, yeah, Von Miller will probably be gone after two years. But in the end, Elway stays with him for at least two more seasons. Now, I do want to say to finish, um, thank you, everyone, for listening. I want to remind everyone that we are not going to be producing a show for the next four weeks so we're going to take one month off a one month sabbatical i've got a baby coming literally any day okay i don't but my wife does um skipper dude's got some projects going on as well so we're going to take a little step away um tim lynch has been nice enough over at mhr to to let me take a little bit of a break to you know kind of focus on a few things for the family for a few weeks and we'll come back right when you know free agency is getting kicked off at the end of February. So we'll be back for free agency. Of course, we'll be talking about who the Broncos should bring in. We're going to be talking about the draft and all of that fun offseason stuff that I know most people, many people enjoy even more than the actual regular season because everyone likes being, you know, armchair GMs almost as much as they like being armchair coaches. Um, Anyway, you guys take care. Take it easy for, for four weeks, for a month. I appreciate all of you. I'll still hang around Twitter a little bit, um, maybe a little bit of commentary there. We got a few projects we're thinking about maybe kicking off in 2020 as well. So stick around. We'll see if anything new happens. And please keep me and my wife and baby in your thoughts and prayers and hope that everything comes out all right. In the end, you guys, be safe. Take it easy. I'll see you in one month.
Mm, don't fall asleep. 